If your brand could use more effective and efficient ways to ignite growth, you've come to the right place. This is where smart marketers learn to leverage their own community to ignite growth in sales, awareness, and beyond. Welcome to The Rise, the community commerce marketing show. I am your host, Jason Falls. We are exploring the new and exciting category of marketing strategy, automation, and software called community commerce marketing. Today, we're going to look at community commerce marketing through a couple of different lenses. Barry Tozer is our guest today. He's the EVP in, of sales and the chief marketing officer at the Declaration Networks Group. It is a telecom company that helps bring internet service and technologies to rural communities. Now, I happen to be from a rural community in eastern Kentucky, and I know that someone like Barry knows far more about building and leveraging community influence than most of us. The context may be slightly different than what we're used to, but we're going to be able to glean a lot from his 40 plus years of marketing in and around communities. He's coming up in just a moment. Before we bring Barry in, though, do take a moment, if you will, to hit that subscribe button on LinkedIn or YouTube or Twitter. The Rise, the Community Commerce Marketing Show is a new streaming platform and audio podcast from Scipio.ai, the leading community commerce marketing company. Find us primarily on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can look for at Scipio.ai on both of those platforms. And don't miss our streamed show each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. If you prefer to just listen to audio on demand via podcast, you can search for The Rise, the Community Commerce Marketing Show, wherever you get your podcasts, or for an easy-to-use uh, easy menu to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to scipio.ai slash podcast, where we've got a nice little menu to all the podcasts, and so the Spotify's and the Apple's and the Stitcher's and all those good places are there. So scipio.ai slash podcast. All right, we have designed uh, the Community Commerce Marketing Show to make efficient use of your time if you're watching on the live stream. So Barry Tozer is with us. As I told you, he spends his time bringing internet service and other technologies to rural communities, which in our hyper-connected world is borderline saintly. Barry, hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, I'm very glad to have you. You've been in the telecom uh, business, I believe, all of your career. T take me back for a minute to uh, the early 1980s when you started out. If you could describe communications today to Barry Tozer in 1981, what would he think about what is to come? Well, that's a, a great place to start, but uh, interesting that you asked me that when I was only uh, four, four years old when I started out in this industry in, uh, in 1981. Uh, I, I wish, but uh, I uh, actually graduated from uh, the University of Maryland back in 1980. And one year later, I entered the telecom industry without even really knowing what I was getting into. And if you can go back, I'm not sure that that many of your listeners uh, can go back that far, Jason, to, uh, to 1981. But to think about how different things were then in the telecom industry and how different things were then in the world to how they are today. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. I remember I started as a young uh, sales rep for Sprint. Uh, Sprint was owned by the Southern Pacific Railroad uh, at the time. I got my checks from SP Communications, the Southern Pacific Railroad, my first checks uh, in telecom. And uh, at that point in the Sprint office, 
Uh, I remember how excited I was the day I walked in and I saw some customer service reps uh, sitting in front of dumb terminals. They were monitors with no processing power. There were no computers in the office at all up until that point. And those really weren't even computers. They were more or less just dumb terminal monitors, you know, and to think that uh, there were no cell phones, you know, cell phones didn't start to become more prominent until the mid eighties. And, and now, you know, in addition to being the EVP of sales and the chief marketing officer for declaration networks group, uh, I'm a co-founder of this company. We're an internet services provider. And back then there was no internet. You know, so when I started in the industry, there was no internet. The internet really did not become, you know, popular until, until the mid nineties. So I, I was truly, truly working in the stone ages. And, and when you think about it, uh, to compare, or just think about speeds of, of service, you know, back then, uh, this was the age of dial up, you know, data services were, were, were dial up services. And, and I read something where if you downloaded a dial up audio book, uh, back then it would take two days. It would have taken about two days to download that. Not, not really that there were even audio books to be had on the internet, but if, if you could have done that, it would have taken two days, which now would take 10 seconds. Yeah, easily. Might even be shorter than that. <laughs> Maybe a matter of seconds. And, and also, you know, we sell uh, internet services uh, at some high speeds, some low speeds. Some of our customers use uh, internet services at, at 10 megabits per second download. And uh, just to compare that to, to one gig uh, service today that is like comparing driving your car at one mile an hour versus driving your car at a hundred miles an hour. This is and that that was not 10, 10 megabits per second wasn't nearly available back in the early eighties. We're we're talking about you know slow, slow, slow you know dial up speeds. So oh, yeah, that's probably the, the the biggest you know difference that I I can see in the technology in addition to the the abundance of bandwidth just the speed and that's the speed of communications how much faster everything is in our world today sure well it's it's definitely the world has changed some some would argue for the better a few would argue maybe not for the better but at the same time you've been instrumental in in helping build that infrastructure to a lot of places your day job uh you know really is making that reality come true uh, and come to fruition for communities that really do need it. I'm from Pikeville, Kentucky, which is as far into Eastern Kentucky as you can get without hitting West Virginia or Virginia. So that means it's over the divide going West of the Appalachian mountains to the West. It's hours from anything that resembles a big city, or at least it was before better roads made getting in and out of the mountains a little easier. So I know what connectivity in a rural community means. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the Declamation Network Group and the important work that you do, because contrary to popular belief, I don't think every community on earth or even in America is still even plugged in, right? That That's absolutely right. You know, depending on how, how you look at the uh, amount of bandwidth that is considered to be sufficient, you know, based on uh, what the FCC says are, are sufficient, you know, upload and, and download speeds, uh, others, you know, cite different uh, numbers, but no matter what you look at, there are still millions and millions of Americans who have insufficient broadband. You know, people listening who are in big cities, you know, can't uh, fathom what people in the rural areas are, are still going through. And that's where Declaration Networks has come in. Of all the jobs that I've had uh, in telecom and technology in, in four decades, this is 
by far the most satisfying in that we truly are helping people. We operate in several communities, Virginia, Maryland, a little bit in West Virginia, also uh, in the state of Washington. And we truly are helping people to get connected at faster speeds. And, and that just doesn't mean that that enables people to be able to, uh, to, you know, to watch Netflix and Hulu and Prime and Apple and all the other streaming services. But that is a large component of it because people who don't have sufficient broadband have a hard time even streaming to begin with. But in addition to that, you know, think about stuff like telework and telehealth. You know, when we uh, had the pandemic and still in and out of that uh, for, from time to time, even these days, but, uh, you know, for that two-year period where people work from home and still so many people working from home, they need, people need a good broadband connection. And that's what we're able to do. We're able to give people that kind of speed that allows them to work from home. We're able to help people with telemedicine, you know, where they can, you know, do their doctor's appointments remotely. You know, there are, are so many things, you know, helping kids do their homework uh, at, at home, you know, all of the, you know, online education that we're able to facilitate. So that's where I'm saying this is so satisfying to me, Jason, in that we're, we're truly helping people, you know, one by one, no matter how many people we get to in these communities, everybody that's able to use our service is able to really better the quality of their life you know, through using Declaration Networks Group. And our, our product name is NewBeam, N-E-U-B-E-A-M. That's the, the brand name and service name. But people who are NewBeam customers in our markets, you know, really are, are able to do something far better than, than what they could do before. Well, again, saintly work that you're doing there, uh, Barry, those of us with gigabyte lines and 5G networks taken for granted, I think most days, but that connectivity in a small rural town is literally game changing, as you mentioned, for everything from health and wellness to the economy, to education, communication, uh, and beyond. So that brings us to the reason that I wanted to bring you on the show, because small towns out in the middle of nowhere aren't always trusting of outsiders for declamation or any company to come into town and start doing business. It's far more involved than just going into a city, joining the chamber of commerce and throwing up some billboards. Tell us a little bit about marketing in a small town. How do you earn the trust of the community in order to do business at all? If they don't know who you are. It's really difficult. You know, and when we entered our, our first market on the Eastern shore of Virginia, you know, so many people just, uh, were very skeptical of us, you know, wanted to, to kick the tires, wanted to know who we, we were, where we came from, were we going to, to stay in that market? You know, they'd had other companies who had uh, given, you know, internet a try and, and just were unsuccessful and pulled up their stakes and left town. So we had a very, very, you know, skeptical and, and, and suspect marketplace. And we really had to, to gain trust by, spending a lot of time in that market and building these relationships. You know, we had to uh, set up community events, which we did. We had to then put some people on our service on a trial basis so they could see how it would work. And then once you start to get those first advocates and influencers, once you first start getting people in these markets, who say, hey, this stuff really does work. And if those people are well-regarded and they start telling their friends who tell their friends, that's how we were able to, to start building the base, you know, for our service and for our network. You know, it wasn't going to be my telling people, our sales reps telling people we really needed the people in the community 
to test it out, to see that the service performed, that it was fast, that it is a high quality service. If they had an issue, that there was going to be somebody who could help them on the service end. So we really had to perform and then get people to start, you know, talking to each other, you know, in an influencer type of way. That's 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 very interesting and telling that you say that the the story that I tell to explain small town marketing, which is really a neat parable uh, in explaining how social media works, uh, word of mouth marketing works, and even to a certain degree, certainly community marketing works, is in in my little old town of Pikeville, Kentucky. You didn't buy a car from Ford or Dodge. You didn't bank with Chase or Capital One. You bought a car from Jack or Terry, and you banked with Danny or Gene, and you did so because each of them sat two or three rows away from you at church or sat alongside you at the high school football games on Friday night. That's very much how these smaller communities think. So things like direct mail, community events, good old grip and grin marketing that that a lot of people think are dead are not if you're talking to this audience, right? That's right. That, that, that is, that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, just going back a little bit uh, further to the, the last question, then bridging this into the next one, uh, we, we had uh, and still have one of our longtime customers, a guy named Jim Dixon, who lives in a beachside community on the eastern shore of Virginia. He had tried to get service from other providers for years, tried to get some good internet where he lives and was unable to do it. We came along and we were able to deliver. And Jim then you know, became our biggest influencer, our biggest advocate. And we ended up getting uh, approximately three quarters of all the people that live in that community. But a lot of that was, again, just based on Jim. Yeah. You know, Jim became such a raving fan of Newbeam that he went out and told everybody and he helped to do all the selling for us. So that that's that is really so key, you know, to our success. And you're right about talking about some of the, the, the tactics that, uh, you know, others might think of, uh, of come and pass for the type of marketing that they do. I'm talking about direct mail. Direct mail has been probably our, our single, along with referrals, you know, and we probably have at times that we've tracked up to 20% or more of the new customers that we've signed up and installed on, on Newbeam Jason have come from referrals. So that and direct mail have been our two strongest tactics, you know, direct mail, when you still look at the percentages for direct mail and, and people talk about a 1% response rate, you know, we probably get sometimes close to a 1% response rate, but when all is said and done in terms of the number of customers that actually do finally get installed, you know, might even be closer to a half a percent. And that just seems so minuscule that it might not be worth it, but we've done the business case. We had the results to prove that even at that half a percent, you know, we end up getting 5x, 10x returns on the cost of sending out, you know, thousands of six by nine postcards to people, you know, promoting our service with a call to action and trying to convince them that we're the local company. We're the guys that are local. We've been in their market, you know, since 2015. We've got a local office. We have people that work there and live in the community, you know, and that stuff, again, building the community is just so important, but you even tie that into something like direct mail. And of course that uh, ties into the referrals when you have people, you know, in, in, in market, you know, who can talk our service up and ask for those referrals and it just kind of happens and builds upon itself. So a lot of the, the older, you know, tactics that, uh, 
you know, some people used used to do. I mean, mm-hmm. these still work in rural markets, and I I believe they can still work in in some of the larger markets as well. Yeah, and and to underline a point about community influence marketing, uh, I bet you didn't know how many Instagram followers Jim Dixon had, did you? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how that works, folks. You got to find people that are in your community, your brand community, who believe in your product, and have them tell people. It doesn't matter where they tell them, as long as they tell them. That's right. So, Barry, what? Let's kind of bring all this together for people. What can today's community commerce marketers learn from that? What are some takeaways we can apply to building our community of customers and fans that you would employ if you were to switch and focus on building community around a brand, even in the digital or the big city world? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, it all stems to the relationships and how, however you're going to, you know, to build those relationships, you know, and, uh, you mentioned again, we talked to Jim Dixon, he's getting a good plug here today, but, uh, you know, Jim may be fairly active on, on social media and over time, you know, social media has become just more and, and more of a, a strategic initiative for us to reach out to people that way. That's one way to, to get to people, and build a relationship. But even more so than that is, is again, just really a lot of that face-to-face contact, you know, being in the market so that people know that they can count on us. They, they know we're there. They know that we've performed and they know that we have our, our best interests at heart, you know, to try to, to really make the community better. I, I can't tell you, Jason, how many, you know, teams we, we've sponsored, you know, in the, in these different markets, how many different events we've gone to, how many different good causes and, and charitable contributions and, and programs we've been involved in. It's all just building that community, building the relationship, finding the influencers, the Jim Dixons of the world, those people who are going to help you to be successful and really creating raving fans. You know, We want people to, to really love New Beam. We want them to be able to tell their friends and neighbors about us. And that's truly how we've built the business you know, one by one. And, you know, it's been extremely successful in all our markets with that formula. Well, it's awfully hard to not be a raving fan of a company like Newbeam if they're shoulder to shoulder with you in the community, doing things, supporting events, supporting education, students, things like that. So very good work, very good advice, Mr. Barry. Where can people find you and Declaration Network Group on the interwebs? Sure. Uh, I'm Easily found uh, on LinkedIn. I'm the only Barry Tozer, T-O-S-E-R. I'm a, the only Barry Tozer out there. So anybody can find me. And if you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, please do so. And uh, our company, because we have uh, kind of like Verizon has Fios, uh, Comcast has Xfinity, we are Declaration Networks and Newbeam. And you know, more people find us through uh, Newbeam, our customers and prospects. And that's Again, N-E-U-B-E-A-M, but you'll find us at newbeam.com. But you can also find corporate information uh, at our declarationnetworks.com website. Awesome. Uh, Thank you again for all you do, Barry, but especially for taking some time today to make us smarter. We appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much, too. All right. Barry Tozer, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Great to have him here with us uh, on the program. Uh, We will drop links to him and New Beam and Declaration Network Group in the uh, show notes here on LinkedIn and YouTube. So if you're uh, listening to the podcast after the fact and not able to jump in right now and watch live, head over to Scipio.ai on either of those channels and look for today's edition of The Rise. The links will be in the comments there. Um, quick note for everyone listening, we will be hosting a free webinar on Friday called Unlocking the Power 
of community influence to grow your brand. It's a look at our concept of community market or of influence marketing through your own brand community. The live webinar is at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And just like this podcast, we've created it so it'll take 20, 30 minutes tops, including Q&A time. Register for free at bit.ly slash community influence. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash community influence. Do join us. We'll show you a little bit of our community influence marketing platform in there too and give you some new ideas on how to approach influence marketing a bit more efficiently and effectively than you've likely thought before. Want to thank you for joining us for The Rise, the Community Commerce Marketing Show, where we document the rise of the new and exciting category of community commerce marketing. We know you want to bring community commerce marketing strategies to your business. Just visit us at Scipio.ai and hit the demo button in the upper right-hand corner. The Rise is a production of Scipio.ai. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn or YouTube so you never miss the broadcast. You can also subscribe to the show's audio on demand. Just search for The Rise, the community commerce marketing show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for being part of our community. We'll see you again soon on another episode of The Rise, the community commerce marketing show. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.